Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. We hope you're having a great day today and we're praying that God is using you. Uh, If God has saved you and you've been born again, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as a follower of his, then you, you should be on mission for him. Uh, You really are. uh, You are a witness, whether it be a good or bad. So we're we're trying to equip you to be the best witness, best missionary you could be here on Exploring Missions. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. And yes, we share the same last name. Uh, Nathan's my oldest son, and it's a joy. I, I can't tell you the joy that I have in doing this program with him. And uh, he has been leading us through a series of teaching lessons concerning the Lord of the Harvest and his work in our world today. It was like he shared with those apostles that he sent out, the disciples that he sent out, and where sending us today. So, Nathan, we've, we've appreciated you taking us through this. And I know we need to review a little bit because we have people that are listening and they did not hear the first two. So give us a little bit of an overview and into the next material that we need to look at today. Yeah, so you know, Luke 10, you could actually you could call it a master plan of missions, a master plan for discipleship. You could call it a uh, an apostolic blueprint for the church if you want. And so we're looking at three parts from Luke 10, really the first half of Luke 10. The second half of Luke 10 is about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and it's about the uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, which actually goes into uh, both of those play into this concept of Jesus' model or and uh, master plan of of missions. It's a demonstration of it what is. he's just taught. Absolutely, but in uh, specifically Luke ten verses uh, like one through let's say twenty two. That's what we're looking at. You can break that into three parts. And first, we talked about entering the harvest. That's like preparing to go and preparing yourself as a missionary. And that's in verses 1 through 4. So we said we want to go where Jesus sends us. We want to think with a harvest or multiplication mindset. We want to think exponentially. It's not just for one person here and one person there. It's for the entire world. And we, you get there by starting with one person, but you, you think multiplication. You want to go not as an individual, but as a team. And as you go, and while you go, and before you go, and every bit of the time you're going, you should be praying. Praying to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into the harvest field. And then Jesus also gives you some practical warnings and uh, restrictions as you go. He, he says, watch out for those fatal dangers. You're going out like sheep among wolves. Watch out for false dependencies. Don't depend on yourself. Depend on the Lord. And, and also, don't get distracted by friendly distractions. Stay focused on the mission that God gives you. That one made me the most difficult because when we see a fr- uh, someone that's friendly, we say, okay, this is it. Yeah, there might be an open door. That Automatically, open doors do not mean that's where God wants you to go. It could be, but it might not. Yeah. 
and you got to trust the Minister Lord. Minister of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then in verses 5 through 16, we get into once you get to your mission field, and that, that could be on the other side of the world, but it actually could be at your workplace or at your school or across the street or in your own neighborhood. But you want to then engage the harvest. And so there's some action steps you, that Jesus gives us in in how we're to engage those that we come in contact with. So the first thing we want to do is give a Shema statement. It's just a spiritual, short spiritual phrase that will indicate to the person who's listening to us that, hey, we want to talk about spiritual things. If they want to talk about it, then great. If they don't, that's fine. We just move on to who wants to talk about Jesus. And I'll just give a brief short story about this. When I was a few years ago living in the Atlanta area working among internationals there, and so one person's door we happened to knock on, he was he was from Ethiopia, and uh, he saw that I had a Bible with me, and he kind of pulled back and was hesitating. He's like, he said, no, no, do not convert me. And I said, don't worry, brother, I'm not here to convert you. I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And a big smile lit up on his face. He said, oh, yes, I want to talk about Jesus too. Come in. <laughs> and so sure enough, we came in and we talked to him about Jesus. And within 30 minutes, he was converted. <laughs> um, and it's nothing that we did. It's what Jesus did. You well, know? there's difference in, quote, becoming one of those people that's a church and, and then being the true follower of Christ. That's right. Amen. So our Shema statement in that situation was, hey, can we just talk about Jesus? That was a simple, straightforward Shema statement. The one that Jesus gives in, uh, in this example is uh, the peace, peace of, of God be upon you. But we want to give that initial Shema statement. And then if a person of peace is there, that's someone who will welcome the messenger, receive the message, and extend their influence among their household. So we want to remain there and preach and heal and share the gospel, share the good news with, with that person and all those in that household. See, Jesus doesn't just send us to individuals. He sends us to whole people groups. And so we want to keep that in mind. But then we said if a person of peace is not there, what do we do? Our primary task in that is to announce the kingdom, keep the invitation open, and let Jesus handle the rest. How do you keep the invitation open? You try to end it with some way of letting them know that that you're there. I'm reminded of in the book of Acts when Paul would go to the uh, synagogue and preach, there'd be some that would, they would respond quickly. There'd be others that would reject, but there'd be others that would say, we want to hear more about this. And he didn't cut them off. He continued to to bless them. And, and so... So leave that door open as vital as, 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 as importantly as it is so Absolutely. that they could come to you later. Absolutely. So now today we come to uh, the third part of the series, which is exit the harvest. In other words, it's, it's all right, going home. It's, it's leaving the field and going back to where you started from. And we see that in verses 17 through 24, and we're going to read some of this. But it's important to know this. Before you begin the work that God has for you, you want to have an exit strategy in mind. That sounds like a military. Have you, ever, you know what I mean? They talked about before we go somewhere, you need to have an exit strategy. Yeah. I, I just couldn't help but remind that. So 
uh, what what we're talking about is that we are God's representatives here, and we're to go where he sends us, but we also need to just not pick up and leave, but do it in a strategic way yes. that you have as less uh, damage as there possibly can. And it's not just damage that's been done. It's been good that's been good. Yes. When you leave, they say it's been good that Absolutely. you've come. We want it to be a blessing. Yes. We don't want to stay too long. That happens many, many times in missions. You, you get a secular version of mission history, and it's all about colonialization, which unfortunately that was a real part of missions history. And, you know, it's not the only part, but it's, it is a part. A lot of missions did happen in the name of Jesus, but it was also in order to colonize a certain group of people. We don't want to be about anything related to that. It's not a paternalistic kind of thing. It is, it's an empowering setting free is what it really is. So we want to leave well, but we don't want to leave too early and leave people that there's low-hanging fruit ready for harvest, but we leave it rotting on the, on the vine. That's not what we're about either. So we want to exit well and be a blessing as we return. And so we want to have a good entry strategy. We want to have a good exit strategy. And, of course, while we're there, we're, we're proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of Jesus. So let's look at this exit, exit strategy of Jesus's that he gives his, his apostles, his sent out ones. In verse 17 of Luke 10, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, isn't that interesting? Of all the things they could have reported and come back and said to Jesus, that's what they kind of focused on. Okay? Now, before we go any further, the main point, the first point here, there's really five points about exiting the harvest. The first one is, we return. Who do we return to? We return to Jesus. That's who the, he's the one that sent us. We went out in his authority under his mandate and, and following his master plan. So part of that master plan is come back to Jesus. Okay, go back to the one who sent you out. Yeah. And uh, he's the Lord of the harvest. So we're going to report back to Jesus about the, about the harvest. And so return to Jesus. That's also hints back toward Luke 9. Remember in Luke 9 when Jesus was feeding the 5,000? And we said the good model for, for missions was... When Jesus was, you know, he, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And so the disciples would take that bread, the pieces of bread and the fish, and they would distribute it to the people. What would they do first? They'd come with their basket, face Jesus, receive the food, turn, go back to the people, and distribute it. But when that basket was empty, where would they go? They brought it back to Jesus. Back to they Jesus so did. he could refill it, right? Yeah. And that's the model of of missions is that mm. Jesus fills us up, we go empty it out, and then we come back to Jesus for more filling. Well, think about that. Isn't that reason every, you know, on the first day of the week we gather together and we come back? We're, we're, we should be spent yeah. Monday through Saturday. And I, I mean that, you know. If Sunday's of, our time of worship. Sunday's yeah, whatever our that time is. of worship, whatever time that is. And we come back to be, you know, report. And to refuel, I guess. I may be jumping ahead. No, no. That's what worship, I mean, should be a part of Absolutely. that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're returning, and we're returning to Jesus, who's the Lord. That's what they said, the first words when they saw Jesus were, Lord. 
I mean, think about that. That's really, to me, it's deep and meaningful. So they returned. One of the things they returned to do was they're resting. They're resting from the work that Jesus has sent them out to do. Right. They're, they're, they're pulling back, and they're going to they're gonna physically rest, emotionally rest, and they're going to cease for a period of time, for this season at least, cease that work. And so, I mean, if you think about it, Paul did this, missionaries today do this, it's important that we have periods of rest. Most mission agencies require their workers to, every four or five years, go on furlough and, and step back for a good long period of time, maybe up to a year or so. And we saw Paul kind of do somewhat, somewhat of that. Even if, Jesus would pull oh, away yeah. from the multitudes. Absolutely. And, yeah. But if you just think about just the simple, we talked about Sunday already, the simple illustration of, hey, God gave us a day of rest every week. We're to cease from that work and rest in him. We've got to remember that. And missionaries sometimes can be the very worst at, at remembering this part. And, you know, when you're busy working for the Lord, you want to try to push yourself sometimes too far. But there's times, and it's good. It's a good time to rest. So return to Jesus and rest. But then they're also, this is where we're getting into what they're saying. They're reporting. So you want to report on what, what has been accomplished in the, in the harvest field. Report on the harvest. Hey, we, you sent us out to this place. Here's what happened when we got there. That's kind of accountability as well, isn't Absolutely. it? Reporting has that. Yeah. So look in, can you read there in verse 17 just the, the quoted words of what the, the apostles said to Jesus? The 70 or 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Yeah. <laughs> even. Now, that even is amazing, isn't it? Well, and that, that's the thing that they were surprised about. Isn't that interesting? Yes. They didn't talk about the the weird food they had to eat. They didn't talk about the interesting things they saw, cross-cultural things they might have seen, how these people do things really different. Or they didn't say, uh, these people are so poor, they have so much that they don't have. They don't have anything. And fortunately, that's where a lot of our mission groups come back from their short-term mission trips, and that's all we pretty much talk about, is the food we ate and the the weird experiences culturally and all these people don't have anything, you know, compared to us. I'm not saying those things are bad to talk about. But. But is it the only thing the we priority, talk about? Uh, Jesus talks about the spiritual warfare. And I, I wonder sometimes the reason we don't notice it. We just give everything, uh, well, that's the way it is. Yeah. And. Uh, we have more of a materialistic. Yeah, we have that. Worldview. It, that's the world we live in. So even, I, I would say. And you're going to see from Jesus' words, even what the disciples or the, the apostles here were, were bragging about, were talking about, was even not the right thing. Okay, they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, and I'm going to add my two words here, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, some of this is kind of natural, like if you ever get a group of men together, and one of them talks about, you know, the fish that they caught. The next guy's going to talk about the fish that they caught. And guess what? It's going to be bigger. Bigger. Right? And you get the bigger fish kind of stories or whatever. Doesn't mean they're not true, but right. it is what we do. It's kind of natural. Yeah. Well, Jesus is kind of doing that. He's like, oh, yeah? You know, yeah. The, I know the demons are subject because it's in my name. 
And here's here's why the demons are subject to to you in my name. He's the one that saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He was there in the beginning, before the beginning, and Satan fell like lightning from heaven. And then Jesus goes on in verses 19 and following to talk about the authority, what that authority really looks like. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, this is spiritually serpents and scorpions doesn't necessarily mean physical like the little animals. We're talking about spiritual beings here and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So Jesus is hearing what they say and he's like, all right, here's why that worked out for you. It's because of me. But now what's he going to do? He's actually going to refocus them. So they reported back, and he's going to refocus on the things that are really important. Look at verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, the disciples were all excited, and it's good that they were, but they were all excited about the things that were accomplished, the work that was done, the the surprising things that, that, hey, these demons are actually, they do what we say when we, when we do it in Jesus' name. When we command them in Jesus' name, they leave. And people are being healed and people are responding to the gospel. And Jesus refocuses that and says, you know what? The mission is not all about that. The mission is about I am sending you. It's your relationship with me. And I, you're in me, and I am in you. It's that you understand. It's that relationship is between Jesus and His disciples, and He's focusing them on that that relationship. A lot of times we miss that abiding relationship in Jesus because of the work that we're doing. So Jesus wants us to do the work, and we look at that work, but our focus is on Him. Absolutely. Nathan, I'm afraid that we're probably talking to some individuals, pastors, Sunday school teachers locally. Although we we talk about missions, the missions doesn't have to take place somewhere else. Sometimes it's taking place right there in your home, right there in your—let Jesus be your focus. Let me give you an illustration of that. I believe that we're to equip our saints, and one of them is for spiritual warfare— and in the early years when I started doing that, I would focus on how Satan would operate. And I'm just telling you, the oppression that I would feel, the difficulty that I would feel was just so great. One of my best friends and some of the people who uh, listen to this program may know my friend, Tommy Vinson. He said, Bert, I've found out you do need to speak about the spiritual warfare, but it's basically just what you said. He said, but make your focus on Jesus yeah. And Jesus is the Lord. And in that relationship, yes, you don't hide and not do the equipping, but your focus is not the equipping of uh, for spiritual warfare. Your focus is in Jesus Christ. So that's true not just in preaching concerning spiritual warfare. It's true in doing the work no matter where that work leads you. Absolutely. So Jesus is refocusing their 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 minds, their focus back upon himself, the Lord of the harvest. And so once they're refocused, now so they're resting, they've reported, they're refocusing. And so what's the last thing? This is, I love this. This is, 
This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Amen. Right? <laughs> Luke chapter 10, verse 27. In that same hour, he, talking about Jesus, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to quote what he said. And it's quite long, so we won't read it all. But he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Of course, the little children being the apostles <laughs> and, uh, and others. And it includes us, too. We're the yes, little children. I recognize myself in that statement. But in that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Now, the word rejoice in the Greek literally means to leap for joy. Okay, I really, I just, I believe Luke used that word to to show us Jesus literally, physically jumped up. He might even gave a, you know, a shout, (laughs) a shout of joy. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And then he said, I thank you, Father. So, I mean, there's a picture of the Trinity right there. And that's a picture of what the Trinity is always doing. They're together and they're rejoicing in one another. And they invite us into that community of joy to that we can rejoice in that. But here's the thing. Missions is hard. It's difficult. And honestly, when we talk about like, you know, when we try to encourage people that are kind of sitting on the sideline and not involved in the task of the Great Commission, sometimes it's like pulling teeth and it can be hard. And most people don't hear about missions, don't listen to even the show maybe and feel joyful. I don't know. I do, but I don't know if everyone does. I've seen lots of people's reactions over the years in churches, and the missionary comes to town and shares, and everybody tunes out. They don't want to, you know, it's boring, or it doesn't have to do with me. But I think it's vitally important that we understand Jesus is the most joyful person to ever exist. He's the most joyful person alive. Yes. Jesus is the most joyful person alive. And the more you get to closer to Jesus, the more missionary you're like, but also the more joyful you'll be. Amen. And so if you have a problem, if you I, when I teach this to, to groups in person, I get them to look at me and I, I, I actually demonstrate this. I'll jump up and shout. And, <laughs> well, you get that from your dad a little yeah, bit now. And, and so <laughs> and it embarrasses some people. And they, yeah. they want to look away. And I said, yeah. if you have a problem in your mind, imagining Jesus doing something like yeah. that, then you don't have a biblical picture of who Jesus Amen, is. Nathan. Nathan, you said you taught this. This is the last three weeks, and you can go to the podcast and get this because this is great teaching. But if someone, as you did this at Global Frontier Missions, you would teach, and basically it was a 50-minute, each one of these 50 minutes, and you'd teach them, and then they would go out and knock on the doors and go to these pl- places. That would work today Uh, if somebody, a church, a pastor is listening. They say, man, we need that in our church. Uh, You can contact me uh, at my email address, bharper at afa.net, and I'll get you in touch with Nathan. And uh, uh, this is awesome, Nathan, that you could teach that. And and I'm encouraged. I've been listening, and now it's like, where do I go with this? What do I do this? So when you do this, you're not only training, but you're experiencing it as well. How, yeah. It's not enough just to sit around a table and take notes. No. I mean, that, obviously, that's not what the apostles did. Jesus actually sent them out. He, now, they might have been reluctant. He had to say, get out of here yeah. you know, and go do this. 
But when they got back, they were excited. They were rejoicing along with Jesus. And and this is so vital. Our churches that uh, if you're stagnant, well, we're, you're, you know, in a transitional neighborhood, Nathan, we got so many yeah, churches. And when I say the church, talk about the building in a transitional neighborhood. What about reaching out to those around you? Find that person of peace, that person of influence and 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 let God be God and he's the lord of the harvest and if if they would you be willing to come to a church oh, and yeah, absolutely. teach them these i mean this is awesome this would be great teaching and to equip that church into going out and to becoming effective uh laborers under the harvest yes absolutely i mean i would i would at the drop of a hat i'd be glad to and you see how effective it is and we're, we're asking that, that you be involved in the mission wherever it is in your life, in your church, in your neighborhood. And uh, because I want to come back to the last part is they come back and report. Their report wasn't as long as, uh, you know, notice what <laughs> they didn't they did. have uh, slides. To they show. did not have slides to show. But here what they said, even I think there's some people and, and I know Jesus refocused that. I understand that. But I, I, don't you want some people that are visiting, even at wherever they are in Mission Field, and come back with a little awe of saying, even, yeah, even, look what God has done. Even that. Even that. He can, he can even do that. And he does it in a way that will amaze you. I, I, when you read that, I also talked about, thought about, you know, the people that pray mm. when they were praying for Peter to be released. And he was released, and he came knocking at the door, and Rhoda went to the door, and she went in and reported, and they said, oh, that's not him. That's the spirit you're seeing. And they found out it really was him, and they were amazed. I I don't want to ever lose. Yes, I expect God to hear prayers, and I want God to answer those prayers in his way, but I don't take the amazement out of God's work. Even the demons obey him. Even this person received the gospel. Even he was saved. We need to leave that amazement and that even in our service for the Lord. Absolutely. And, and the numbers can be there or it can be one. You never know when it's that one. That's right. Well, let me ask you this. Someone listening to us in a neighborhood and they're influential, they may be I'm just, this crossed my mind. I have time, more time than I thought to run it by you. Could that person, I don't know if you'd call them the person of, of peace, but yeah. they would be that person of influence and they already know Christ. Yeah, I, honestly, and we, we teach this, you're either looking for the person of peace or you are a person of peace. One or the other. Now, it, we talked about what to do as you're looking for a person of peace, and that's generally in a sent out cross-cultural setting. What do you do if you're the person of peace and you're, you have a circle of influence around you? Read the rest of Luke chapter 10 and see what the Good Samaritan does. Read the rest of Luke chapter 10 and see what Mary, Martha, and Lazarus do. And that's, that's what it, the rest of the story f- plays out in, in those, those verses. Amen. Nathan, thank you for being with us and sharing these thoughts with us. And we're praying that God would use you wherever he has you to become that person of peace or find that person of peace in your world and in your world of influence. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions on the American Family Radio Network.